It's January 15th, 2015. This is the Hell Yeah Show Season 4. We are bringing you best practices for fine living, advice on how to not let technology ruin your day. Emery. I ripped it all on my beige G3. All right, welcome back to the Hell Yeah Show. It's been a long yeah. break. Yes, it's been a long time. And I've been terrible anyways, because... I've had like all my own stuff going on, and then uh, you've been busy with uh, new things at work, and we've been we've we've yes we've had a lot of stuff going on. It's been well the other holidays we've disrupt things. We um, should consider a different time to record, maybe. That's you know what that would be a potentially very good solution to this. Yeah, and uh, I got to tell you, I know we didn't talk about this before the show, and I'm kind of ambushing <laughs> you with it right now, but um, I can probably uh, do it just about any time. Well, there you go. All right. Yeah. So I think. I mean, I know you don't like the weekends. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll 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 sort this out offline. <laughs> oh, oh, fine. All right. I was trying to corner you. No, you can put me on the spot there. No. Uh, so and, and so, I'm not and I'm not trying to be critical of you. Like I'm clearly part of this also. Like yes. I like there have been times where I'm just at the end of the day I'm just like oh god I can't I don't have the energy. Yep. Yep. Because like I really got to bring it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of carrying this entire. <laughs> I, you, you you supply all the energy and I supply all the format. Yes, yes, um, the, the the rational thought. Yeah. yeah. Um. So uh. So yeah. So we. Well, but I mean, we have an excuse in that this is actually season four. This is the first episode of season four. It is. Yeah. Um. And uh. And and we've got a bit of a oh, format. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a bit of a. We're taking the the hell yeah show format and we are bringing it back to uh. It's to, to yes. <laughs> <laughs> to its uh, to its early days, sort of. I don't know. Um, we we used to do a thing where we'd have like a topic for each show, so we're actually going to do that again, which is kind of yeah. crazy. I like that idea. Um, yeah. So today's topic is uh, media organization, and more specifically, yeah. we think we're going to actually. We were talking about this before the show. We think we probably need to tackle this in in like five parts. Um, yes, at least. At least, uh, but we're gonna start with music because uh, that's I'm I've been spending a lot of time recently with music media organization organizing my music collection basically, and then Emery also of course has lots of thoughts around media organization in general, yes. um, which would certainly apply to music. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to think. Um, let me. Uh, I had a quick curiosity question that I was going to see if I could discern. How bi- okay? So, how big is your iTunes library? That's a good question. That's a very that's a very um you know personal question there. Oh, well, um, I'm sorry. I'm mean, gonna personal. I actually need to check. I'm, I'm not on the so here, and we'll get to this. Um, I actually have started organizing all my music on my uh, Windows PC, on my my gaming PC. Oh, uh, so you're using Winamp? Uh, yes. Yeah, I've actually. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll get to this, but I actually think Winamp is the superior uh, music organization. You are so full uh, of no, uh, no, I'm using iTunes for Windows. Um, oh wow! Uh, but yeah, which is which has been interesting. Um, so, uh, so my, are you looking up yours too? Yeah, I got it. Okay, I'm close here. I think. Uh, so go ahead and read yours. What's yours? Uh, so mine is actually split, but I went ahead and I uh, totaled them both, and I am. Uh, carry the two. I'm just under 300 gigs. Wow. Okay. So I'm and that's, at, I'm and at, that's music. I'm at 48.4. Um, oh, that's not bad. Which is not bad. And here's the thing: I have a 128 gigabyte iPhone. So if I can keep my collection under, you know, say 80 or 90, I can actually t- take it with me all the time. 
Sure, sure. And that's, I mean, one of the nice things about the iPod, like, classic, for example. That's, yes. We were just talking about that before the show. Uh, did you know that I still have, um, in addition to my iPod classic, I have, like, a, I think it's, like, a 120 iPod classic. That's, um, yeah, that's that's one of the one of the later generations, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also still have my Reve. I have Ooh. an original with, I, I, with the two, with the actual like clicky click wheel, clicky click wheel, and a FireWire 400 port on top of yeah. it. I have two of them. I have one that I bought for uh, for Liz when we were first dating because I was trying <laughs> to show off, and then uh, I have and that's like a five gig I think, and then I have a ten gig. Does it have it has the it does it have like a full on FireWire jack in it or is it an adapter? Yeah. Wow, oh, it's a it's a FireWire 400 big D that's, plug. That's amazing. Yeah, you know people would boot off those. That's right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and it's a it's an IBM microdrive in, inside of it. It's not flash, so it oh. has like an actual mechanical drive in it. Sure. Yeah. Well, that, that's. I mean, all the iPod classics do. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting, just as a point of distinction, because these days everything's on flash. But right. uh, people yeah. were actually booting up these things, and they were they were not fast. <laughs> no, yeah, no, and uh, <laughs> and and it's so weird. I got to say, like, so, and you know, we'll, we'll get to this, but like, but I'm I'm now a new iPod Classic owner, <laughs> um, and uh, and and it's so weird to feel a hard drive spin up in your hand. Yes, um, like that feeling is just it's like what the hell is going on? There's almost enough centrifugal force going on that you can actually like feel your hand move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah anyway. I think- Oh yeah, good. They're they're great devices, though. Um, I think that's pretty cool, and and I I kind of like the idea of being able to have like my entire music library. But um, I think uh, originally when I started archiving all of my music, um, so I was a, I was a mini disc person. I was really skeptical wow. of the iPod. Like when I say I'm skeptical, I mean this was like I was one of the, I I didn't think that Apple had blown it, and I wasn't like one of those guys that was like, well, what a dumb idea, an MP3 player. Sure. Um, but I was definitely not understanding and, and i'm still i'm still not uh fully on board with it um for one main reason and that is that for me um i like music and i like listening listening to music and i like active listening to music which is why i still use uh, a turntable <laughs> um, sure but i also um i liked preparing mixes for people like i did that on cassettes oh. for years and years and years and mini disc is an amazing format for uh sharing music really um, oh, because oh, yeah. it's compact or what? I mean, but, because it's well. compact and because you can edit the tracks and you can also name the tracks and you can kind of create like a little narrative with them. Like they had, um, it's, it's, you know, like on a, one of the great things about a cassette mixtape is if you do it right, <laughs> you know, you, you create your own label for it, right? So you have like all this room and you can like write and draw and stuff on the, on the tape. But then on a mini disc, you have a much smaller area for that. But what you can do is like essentially add liner notes to tracks and things like that. Um, yeah. Wow. On the player itself, or if you had like a, a deck like I did, because I had, I had two or three, and I still have, I still have uh, at least one portable player recorder, the little Sony guy, and then I have also like a uh, home theater hi-fi mini disc recording deck. Hmm. Wow! Like I got, I got the real deal. But the, um, I love that format a lot, and it really bummed me out that um, <laughs> that nothing that, ever that, like it, it never no, went no, anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it was it was not a unpopular format in other parts of the world, but it never took off in the United States. Yeah. And then by the time like uh, digital music started uh, becoming more in vogue, I mean, the iPod really like lit a fire under everyone's ass. And that, it was pretty much all over for Minidisc um, sure. within a few months. But um, I uh, the things that sucked about it were that um, you had to do things in real time like cassette 
So if you wanted yeah. to make a recording, um, there were ways to like do a digital transfer, but they were terrible, and they used uh, Sony had this um, uh, audio format and uh, rights management stuff. It basically oh. was like an MPEG format. It was MPEG three derived, I think, or MPEG four audio derived. But they had this thing called A track. It was like the Kodak, yep. not A track, but A track. Yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, if you wanted to do like a uh, faster than real time um, recording onto a mini disc, you had to. Uh, um, use that format because it was the only way that you could do it but um that i knew of but uh and also got really expensive really fast if you started getting into things like that but um minis was a great format i loved it i thought the audio fidelity was fantastic for it um it wasn't as good as cd but i didn't care um and i didn't mind the real-time transfer because again it was like this mindful practice of listening to music and i that's the kind of thing that i don't really spend a lot of time with these days and i and i listen to a lot of like uh show like podcasts and i listen to a lot of news broadcasts and things like that um when i listen to music i don't um it's not the same way that i used to listen to it and uh i don't really i don't really like that but yeah um, well it's been it's been pretty interesting to make the switch but when i originally transferred i had this huge seat i had a 300 disc cd changer right and then i had like piles of cds that couldn't fit in there and then so there was like a, a several month period. It was around the time when uh, Civilization Three came out, <laughs> because I would I would stay up way way too late playing Civ Three, and I just put iTunes on batch. And uh-huh. what I would do is I had this uh, beige G three uh, on my desk, and then the tray would spit, and then I'd take one disc out, and then I'd put another one in, and I just did that over and over and over again. And I can't remember if it was even iTunes at the time or if it was Sound Jam. Do you remember uh, um, I, before I, it was iTunes, there was Cassidy and Green Sound Jam, I think is what it was called? I, d- I don't know. They bought it. It wasn't, it wasn't an Apple product. Or oh, anything. right. Oh, I, yeah, I knew that. I just ne- I never used it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was what I was using to, to do my encoding. But, um, but I literally just like did several hundred discs like that. Um, <laughs> but I did them in because I had like, you know, old hardware. Well, even at the time, it wasn't outstanding. But I didn't know enough about what I was doing codec wise and so that's why when, when we talk about some of the benefits of uh, some of these online services I'll tell you how delighted I was about iTunes <laughs> match <laughs> but that was my my whole saga I realized I just like took way too much time but did you have like a similar did you have to ever did you have CDs ever even uh, the so the first CD that I'm I ever that because you're 12 I'm saying that because I don't know like you so- know so so that so no I never really had a I've I've bought more CDs in the past uh, two weeks than I've than I've bought in in my entire life leading up to that. No, uh, kidding. yeah, because uh, I discovered uh, Amazon Auto Rip, which I guess we should actually probably talk about as well at some point. That's cool. Um, yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, and, and and so the uh, I'm just adding that to the notes. Um, so yeah, so I, I like. My the first CD I ever bought uh, myself, like the first CD where I was ever like I need to I need to acquire this CD um, was uh, Chumbawamba's Tub Thumper, uh, Pearl Jam Ten for me. Yeah, I went. Yeah. Um, well, so I actually and and weirdly like Chumbawamba actually continues to be one of my favorite bands. Okay. I and I think they're legitimately very very good. I, I bought that CD not because they were very very good. I bought that CD because there was a hit song on it that had the lyric "I get knocked down" and that was catchy. But like, the... I've never heard that. Can you sing that for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I cannot. <laughs> is it is it about uh, is it about boxing? <laughs> okay. It, yeah. <laughs> um. So. Uh, um. Yeah. I, I remember. Um. 
yeah that's you know so that cd was very popular um among uh, the people that i w- went to school with and i remember and this was in this was in i think early middle school or late uh elementary school or something and i, and I remember i think it was at the academy school. where you're sitting there in your little uniform yes no i i remember the driver dropped you off yes. <laughs> listening to tub Thumper. i remember <laughs> someone else who would also uh uh bought it and listened to it, it hey, you know, saying basically i i think i figured it out I think okay. the whole uh, CD is about drinking. <laughs> it's not the Sphinx. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's and, amazing. Yeah. Okay. And um, like, listen to it. Yeah, like, look, yeah, just listen, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, but I, but it's weird because I actually think like that's actually a. Um, I mean, I I stand by that that purchasing decision. I actually I I enjoy that record. I enjoy most of Chumbawamba's uh, uh, albums. Um, so sure. Uh, so yeah. So I so actually, anyway, I, yes. You can tell I'm busting your balls a little bit, but I got, because I'm not a fan. But mm-hmm. um, I do know a uh, uh, friend of the show, uh, Bob Antia, mm-hmm. uh, has mentioned on several occasions that they are uh, a downright fantastic band that i should give a second chance to so they really really are they went somehow went from being uh this absolutely over the top anarcho-punk thing uh to being a tremendously endearing folksy (laughs) like you know uh sort of largely acapella and acoustic they evolved yeah it's it's kind of amazing so Anyway, uh, so yeah, but that's not what we're not here to talk about Chumbawamba. Thank we, God. Yeah, thank God. We are <laughs> we are here to talk about music organization and and the first I'd say sort of the the biggest um, the the one of the massive trends right now, obviously, and one of the things that uh, has occupied a lot of my time around music of the past several years is trying out various streaming services for music. You have tried like. A million. I've tried a lot. I so I started with the first one that I tried was Spotify. Uh, then now, I yes. Uh, was this like a personal curiosity on your part, or was this professional as part of your as part of your job? Because I know that like that's kind of in your in your wheelhouse. Um, yeah, the, yeah, but was it something that you were like really fascinated by in general? No, yeah, it was. I, I mean, when I first tried Spotify, that was I mean, that was back when I was doing uh, radio DJ, uh, college radio DJ stuff, and yeah. and so uh, and and got somewhat into music as a result of that. And and Spotify was this new thing that everyone was talking about, and and so I I decided to try it out. But then I've sort of um, since then undergone a series of migrations. Of I kind of always want to feel like my music is in one place, and so when I choose a new music service, it's very much about trying to trying to take all my music, uh, get it into that service, um, mm-hmm. and then or or you know organize my music in the same way on that service, and then. Uh, and and make sure everything is set up as as I want it to be set up, right? So so that happened with Spotify. That then then I migrated to Audio. Then I migrated to Play Music. Then I migrated for all of one day to iTunes Match. And then I migrated to uh, storing my music locally uh, once again. So so that's that's right. my path. So what's what's your path through uh, through music? Oh uh, well, um, so like I said, um, big massive. Uh, CD encoded party that lasted yeah. a very long period of time, and then um, essentially just making sure that I always had that available somewhere um, backed up because I didn't want to, by God, ever do that again. Yeah. And um, and that was kind of like uh, um, where it all kind of started in terms of uh, my my ground zero for 
for my music. Um, vinyl and stuff, uh, I never really, like, there's some stuff that I've uh, transferred to a digital format off of uh, off of an LP or something. Wow, um, that's, that's ambitious. Huh. Well, it, yes and no. Um, there are some, there. now I'm not, before before people start rolling their eyes at me, I I would never say that I am uh, an audiophile or yeah. anything like that. But um, there is some music that I think uh, was recorded for that format, and I think is mastered and produced for that format, and sounds a lot better in that format. Um, so for example, um, the Beatles. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think always, always sound better on final wow and it's just a matter of um i don't know why maybe it's just like personal bias and maybe it's all you know placebo or whatever but i always mm-hmm. feel like there's more um it's more engaging for me and i also like handling like i never really got into cds like a lot of people are like oh, i don't like mp3s because i like cds and i like the little jackets and the jewel and I, don't, I hate i hate those yeah that's if, the, if, yeah if, the jewel cases are not that's no, not the al- an evolution album art, at all. Yeah, album yeah. art and like actual artistic presentation for me, uh, you can't you can't beat ever an LP. Yeah, yep. like the it's 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 a large format. It's glorious, and in my opinion, it is a collector's medium, and that's going to be an important theme that I think we'll probably revisit in future episodes because I feel the same way about books. Um, I feel like uh, uh, CDs are like paperbacks, and. I, as far as I'm concerned, they're disposable. Yeah. But I think, by and large, like the vast majority of things that I read, I don't care if I ever have a physical copy of it. Um, but I can definitely see that there are a few things that I really like having in that format. And I think that that's kind of where analog media and publishers should really focus. I don't know that um, there's a really good market for um, creating itty-bitty album art and... Um, printing little booklets and things like that for CDs. I would much rather have like something really beautiful yeah. and, and full which, format. Which is, I think, what we've seen recently, both with books and with, with music, is, is a resurgence yeah. of that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, but I think that's pretty much like, as far as I'm concerned, that's really where the value in having that at all is. Like, I think there's really little value proposition uh, for me to have a CD, but um, there's a huge benefit to having an LP of something. Sure. And I also like that you have to pick it up, and I like that you have to handle it, and I like that um, you put it away. And I, I like that there's a very specific... Um, and I'm not, like, opposed to technology by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I'm not just anti-technology or anything like that. It's just that I, I really like the whole process of it. Um, and it makes me get ready to listen to it while I'm doing it. And I also... You know, have to be paying attention to, yeah. to flip it over when it gets to that point. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I I like that, but um, so the stuff that I've encoded into a digital format from from an LP are, are fairly limited. But there's a, there's quite a few stuff. And there was a time, uh, a long, long time ago, uh, where I was doing like some music creation stuff and like some DJing, and mostly like down tempo trip hop stuff. And I I bought tons and tons and tons of like really small label, rinky dink, white label vinyl from like tech house DJs from DC and Chicago. And that was kind of, uh, I have a lot of that floating around in addition to like the, the bigger studio stuff, but even like labels like uh, sub pop and, uh, several others like still produce vinyl today. Like there was, um, I mean, I've bought brand new albums, um, on vinyl that I, that I don't, that I don't even have in another format. Yeah, that totally. Have you seen Jack White's new album? Uh, no, I don't have that. Not only is it on vinyl, but, uh, I need to pull up this list of, 
list list of features. So, um, Sweet, because it's so they. He's they the guy took, that gets it. He owns like right. a, a label, right? Yeah, he owns a label, and and they you know printed and pressed this record. Uh, it's it, the um uh they basically took. I mean, what you were saying earlier about you know this record has right. You know, this really is a the, the the way in which to succeed with with this sort of stuff is yes. to hit that collector market. Yes. Yeah. So that's that's what that's exactly uh, what what they've done here. So this this final record, uh, there's actually I'm on the on the Jack White is taking my advice. It is it is sold out. It is sold out on Amazon. Um, sure. The there is a gigantic uh, text on Amazon that says "Product Alert: This vinyl <laughs> contains some unique features which cause it to play differently than other vinyl records." And okay. then, and then you scroll down and you read the description. Here is the list of things it does: uh, 180 gram vinyl, which I guess is is That's uh, the weight. yes, um, like the density. Two vinyl only hidden tracks hidden beneath the center labels. Get out. Yeah, one hidden track that plays at 78 RPM, and one hidden track that plays at 45 RPM, making That's this a great. making this a three speed record. <laughs> yeah. So the main the main tracks are 33. Yeah. And then you have a, a one track at forty five and one at seventy. That's yes. great. Yeah, seventy eight is more common on um, like for jukeboxes and things. Yeah, uh, side A plays from the inside to the outside of the disc. <laughs> uh, dual groove technology plays an electric or acoustic intro for just one drink, depending on where the needle is dropped. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't think I'm, I gotta get this. Matte mat finish on side B, giving the appearance of an unplayed seventy eight RPM record. Awesome. Both sides end with locked grooves, so you get the infinite loop at the end. Yeah, well, of course. Um, vinyl pressed in seldom-used flat-edged format. That doesn't mean anything. Dead wax area on side A contains a hand-etched hologram by Tristan Duke of Infinity Light Science, the first of Dope. his kind on a vinyl record. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Absolute zero compression used during recording, mixing, and mastering. Absolutely yep. zero. Uh, different running order from the CD digital version. Uh, utilizes some some different mixes and LP includes MP3 download inserts. <laughs> That's great, but yeah, isn't that nuts? <laughs> that's really cool. The um and. That's that's really slick. So my my turntable that I have, uh, I have one out and then one in a coffin. Um, that I actually, now that I think about it, I'm not sure where. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's in my daughter's closet. But uh, yeah, that's exactly where it is. But um, both of them are well; they're a matching set. But they're um, they have digital audio and analog outputs. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have a coax digital, and then they have um, their direct drive, um, and they are so you can scratch on them, <laughs> and then uh, without breaking anything. And then the the tone arms on them are like you can either they're they're manual, so like you have to pick it up and set it down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll get that infinite like. Yep. 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 on any record yeah. uh, for that reason because it doesn't care <laughs> that's, great. that's great yeah it's pretty nice uh, but all right. i think as i as i encoded everything over um that i cared to um most of it was either uh cd directly into a digital format or it was analog into a digital format or it was digital into an analog pipeline that wound up being digital again in some cases um but it all wound up being uh mp3 files or um MPEG four files, and then from there uh, lived on a hard drive. Yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, I mean, that's pretty much all I ever had. That's that's pretty impressive. So you, so you never 
tried out any of the uh I dabbled. Yeah. Um I, I tried stuff like uh Spotify, mm-hmm. um, which I think you might remember because I, I think you got me to check it out. Yeah, uh, possibly. And I've used um you know, I think that's probably the only one I've I've uh you've, like, you've used Sirius XM briefly. I have, but yeah. I haven't I I never used their online service. I only use the satellite. And then um uh my BFF, he's a Sonos guy. Like he's got the Sonos set up at his house. That's, and I think part of that is because um, he also, you know, lives on a sailboat. And doesn't really want to have his music library everywhere. So, like, sure. uh, something like that's really handy, where you can kind of like aim it at what you want and get what you want. Oh, we, yeah. you know, we did. We didn't talk about things like, um, uh, what's the one that everyone uses? Uh, <laughs> my wife uses it all the time. Pandora. Oh, sure. Yeah, Pandora should stuff, probably stuff be on like this that. list too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But you don't really aim that one very much. Yeah, and it's I don't know what the what the model. And is, there's but. there's a Slacker as well. Um, oh yeah 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 uh and then there's also like you know the old school uh shoutcast streaming like audio sure. radio stuff that people do oh but yeah there's a great we... uh subsonic radio uh so they're a website that play that has somewhere around a dozen different stations that only play disney parks music oh my god <laughs> do you watch the simpsons they had a really great uh, the- uh disney parks thing a oh. couple episodes ago oh, that was pretty awesome uh, recently yeah, yeah. Like uh, people were like dying trying to get uh, to to the Disney park, and then they would see signs that were like "You have arrived to the wait for the Disney park," and then they would like <laughs> take an airplane, and then they like took a boat, and then they had to raft <laughs> this other place where they waited in line, and then they had to. <laughs> I thought of you, and I yeah, I thought you'd get a kick out of it. But excellent. Um, I haven't uh, used like a streaming radio station like that in quite a while on purpose. I mean, these days most people just put it on the web and. Yep. I don't even know if like the radio button, well, like the streaming station stuff, is going to stick around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so then, so there's also the the sort of in between here, which is what you know. There are definitely a couple services that will let you take your personal library that you have offline and upload it to the cloud. Um, and the, the cloud. And the there's cloud. various. There's a lot of reasons why that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And then there's also some reasons that it kind of bites you in the ass. Right, so like iTunes Match. Here's here's what saved my ass with iTunes Match. Um, I bought it on day one because I had, like I said, this massive library of CDs that I had encoded in two thousand and one. Yep. That I was never, and I, I kept all the discs. Like people are like, "Why don't you just get rid of them or sell them?" And I'm like, "Because that's my license, effectively." Like I, you know what I mean? Like the only reason I, I own those tracks at all is because I have the CD. Right. Yeah. So like I still have all of my CDs. They're just locked up in a plastic bin in the garage but um i, I have i have a text file <laughs> that tells me where they are in that sleeve unit though which is kind of sad <laughs> that's, that's uh, pretty great well yeah i mean just because if i ever had to like get it but anyway so what's great about itunes match is that um it will it it will rummage through your itunes library and basically anything that you have in your library that it also has it will let you get a higher bit rate like a better quality version of it than what you've got so I used the hell out of that and yeah. scrubbed like, uh, oh gosh, I don't even remember. But I was able to like replace a lot of my old uh, constant bitrate 128k MP3 audio um, with much nicer sounding versions of the same file, <laughs> uh, and that was super super handy. And I liked being able to like play stuff from from any device. And I guess we can get to why that's a problem. But I, I haven't used the uh, the Amazon Cloud Player beyond. Uh, there's a couple of albums that I bought, and then I just uh, bought the digital version of it, and then just like 
copied it over sure. into my iTunes library. Yep. I've never used Google Play. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I mean, for a time, as I said earlier, I actually migrated my whole uh, local plus uh, streaming collection over to Play Music and used that for a while. Still use it occasionally. I mean, it's it's still a, well, well you know, I've now got a an entirely new method around very much keeping my music offline. But mm-hmm. as far as a, a mix between an offline and, and a streaming service, it was the best I found of, of the stuff I tried. So, uh, and I and I had this. So with iTunes Match, what I ran into was um, I I took uh, well. So first of all, like at this point, it seems to be pretty much in maintenance mode and not even very good maintenance mode. I get the sense that there's not anyone really paying a whole lot of attention to the dashboards of whether iTunes Match is actually working or not. <laughs> well. Well, here's the thing about it, though, because I signed up for the beta. Yeah. So I had access to iTunes Match early, and then the things that really screwed me on it um, were the, um, a lot of my playlists got just wrecked. Yeah. And because my wife was no longer really using a, a desktop computer anymore, it made zero sense for her to have an iTunes library because every time she'd want music, she had to like go downstairs and turn on her iMac. Yeah. And then dig out whatever it was that she was looking for. So I imported all of her stuff into my library and then just put it on the Match account. Mm. So I also copied over her playlist. But then when I first activated iTunes Match, a lot of them got smashed or munged or whacked because, like, files uh, changed. And th- yep. th- there, were, there were a lot of things that happened behind the scenes that I wasn't privy to yep. and yep. didn't get to supervise. <laughs> yep. And then all of a sudden, like, stuff wasn't quite the way it used to be, but most of it was largely recoverable. It's just a matter of putting in the effort to do it. Yeah. Um, however, what really drives people bananas is that this is, this is what ticks me off about iTunes match. iTunes match should not put anything on your device. That's, that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, here, here I understand why they do it because it's faster. Cause yeah. for example, if, if I pull something from iTunes match on my iPhone, it's going to get on my device quicker than if I plug it into a USB cable and like drag the file over period. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it's, it's always going to be faster. Um, the problem is, is that, uh, if you don't always have Wi-Fi available and you're using like phone data service, then that can get pretty expensive when you're like just downloading your stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would almost prefer that like you could do either or. So like, uh, pick if you wanted to store it locally or if you just wanted to stream a somewhat lesser definition copy of it. I think that would make a lot more sense, but that's not how it works. So when you start playing stuff, if you've got a device that's turned on for iTunes match, if you play a track, it is going to dump a copy of that track on that device. Um, and if you have a long playlist, like for example, um, my lady wife, you've got playlist of like 200 songs and you play them and then you end up with like running out of room so she she has she has a macbook air and she can't certainly store the entire bulk of our library she could theoretically maintain her own tiny library but then she doesn't have access to you know what i mean like it's 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 not convenient like it doesn't solve any problem for her and the solution to that would be like well we could put her library on the nas but then she would have to be at home and then remember to mount that volume. It's just, it's not something she wants to, it's too fiddly for her. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. So she liked the old model of plugging in her iPod and having the stuff on the iPod show up and then she could like manage the tracks. She liked that model just fine. Mm. But the irony of like being in a situation where the technology has evolved far beyond that, making it impossible or untenable to do it that way <laughs> is something that she really finds vexing yeah that's a very nice way of putting it we've had this argument several times yeah i'm i'm there i'm there now as well and that i had previously thought that is such a hassle having to plug i was even thinking about 
can I get Wi-Fi sync working really well with my iPhone such that I don't really have to plug it in to sync it? And I don't like to... There's a reason I don't do that. Well, because it doesn't work very well, at least in my experience. But Well, so for, for me, the, uh, the Wi-Fi sync always works fine. Mm. The problem is, is that my, my ebook software, uh, Calibre, mm-hmm. it uses a third-party, the same library, like USB. Which is like how uh, desktop Linux distributions also talk to iPods and stuff. And if you have Wi-Fi Sync active, then the USB daemon service that listens on your Mac, or theoretically, I guess, even on a Windows machine or anything else, with Wi-Fi Sync active, it's essentially doing you, that USB protocol over Wi-Fi and. Calibre gets very confused very quickly about what device it's talking to. Huh. Because even if you have one plugged in directly on a cable, that's not differentiated from all the ones that it can reach via Wi-Fi. And so um, my, my book software stopped working, so I couldn't Whoa. use... That's like, weird. I, I couldn't reliably sync any of my books. And this is, like a, this is a well-documented issue. Huh. Um, and the, the, the solution is to any device that you have doing a Wi-Fi sync, just turn off Wi-Fi sync. Because then Calibre can talk to the daemon correctly and it's right. mainly because they're using this third-party library but um that third-party library also happens to be something that itunes uses right so right. lib usb or it's a usb mux d or something like that there's a usb multiplexer daemon that runs and uh if anything ever goes wrong with your wi-fi sync um rather than rebooting your machine there's two things you can do one kill that service usb mux d and see if it resolves your issue like quit itunes kill that daemon it will automatically restart from LaunchD and then uh, open up iTunes again and see if that fixes it. And the other thing is um, the lockdown directory on a Mac is in var db lockdown, I believe. And you know when you plug in a phone and it says like, hey, do you want to trust this device? Yes. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, oh, on the hap- phone itself, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What happens is when you plug in a device and you do that, um, it's going to create a XML or a... Well, it, it creates a plist. I don't know what format of a plist it is, but it creates basically like a token, and it shoves it into var db lockdown. And all of the devices that you have in var db lockdown, that they're going to be like a long string, like a UUID string, and then a plist. They all they'll have an entry there for every single one of those. And if you have repeated problems with uh, Wi-Fi sync, go in there and just blow away any of the UUID entries, and it'll be fine. Yeah, that's the least destructive. The least destructive is to just kill the process and see if that fixes it. And if it doesn't, then just go into that directory and just whack everything and scorch the earth. And this this is this is yeah. This is the level of um of this is of, high nerdery. Yeah. This is, uh, <laughs> this I, is I didn't like even Renaissance fair level nerdery, but this, right. this will fix it. I I didn't even I didn't even get this far. I just I with with Wi-Fi sync I was I barely if ever could actually get the uh, computer to see the device. The device to see the computer. So. Um, yeah, um, that indicates to me a, a problem with either the USB MUXD daemon um, or the, that lockdown directory has gotten hosed somehow. Yeah, yeah. Or just that there's, a, there's multiple entries. So if you have a high churn rate, for example, if you're like me and you have one, two, three, four, five iPads in the house and one, two, three, four, uh, four or five iPod devices of some sort in the house <laughs> and then uh, four iPhones of some sort, um, you can very quickly end up with a whole lot of entries in that directory. Yep. And uh, I don't know how robust it is, but I've had to blow it away before. So sure. not very. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so let's, let's move on. Um, let's, let's move on here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so let's see, we talked about streaming services. We talked about offline storage. Well, um, and 
and that, and that's the nice thing about the offline, right? Because like, having an, a service like iTunes Match is is all well and good, but um, it solves a very other real problem for people that don't have a lot of storage, which is where do I put all these things? Like yep. on my NAS, for example, how much room do I really want to devote to these MP3 files or whatever? Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, the problem of like if I reencode something into a uh, either a higher bit rate or heaven forbid a lossless format, those are huge files to be duplicating. Um, and so, you know, there, there's some people that have come up with some really clever ways to do this. Like one thing that I like a lot is uh, this application called TuneSpan. And what TuneSpan does is it lets you, and it's, uh, I don't, I should have looked to see if it was uh, anything other than Mac OS X, but um, I use it on a Mac. But uh, what's great about it is that <clears throat> it will open up your iTunes library file. And what you can do is you can say, all right, so I've got this, uh, this uh, other hard drive or network volume. And you add it as basically like a um, like a vault, and then what you can do is you can pick parts of your iTunes library and just tell iTunes that it's actually over here. That's that's very clever, and um, it will handle not only will it actually put the files there, but it will also uh, change the file paths and everything that it needs to in the actual iTunes library, so that it knows where to go get them. Sure. And so iTunes is never confused. So does that? So you have to then turn off the option where you let iTunes yes. manage. It's yes. Well, folders, you yeah. you actually you actually can leave that on, but you don't want to consolidate files if you do, because when you do that, that consolidate file to copy everything into your library. Yeah. Sure, sure. That's yeah. where you get bit. Huh. And that's happened to me a few times. Like I, over the years, I've at some point I realized that like I had three copies of everything somehow, <laughs> and then I had to like go through and then had to rebuild my entire iTunes library because some of them were named things like you know, uh, Pearl Jam ten one, <laughs> and then dot one and then dot two and then dot three you know and like it was really inconsistent like which one because sometimes they didn't have the one and the two but i just had the three so it was kind of a, a whole mess but um what i do nowadays is I, I i just don't let itunes do it and then i manually consolidate individual tracks um as i need to that's so but then okay yeah i mean that that's so that's way more than i'm doing i mean i'm storing basically my entire library on a single uh uh on on a series of rated discs within my uh desktop pc yeah but something like tunespan is great though because there's a lot of stuff that like i don't want to get rid of but i don't they're not in itunes match and i don't want to re-rip them or i don't like like my my vinyl stuff um i'm not going to be able to i don't want to match those you know even if the metadata or the file itself miraculously matched to a digital version like there's a reason i have that one you know so I do got to be a little careful about that. And then that's where other tools like um, the Music Brains Picard for like managing metadata and stuff is super handy. But being able to split a library out into multiple places, um, my concern is, is that for me, it, it makes a lot of sense. But I don't know that a lot of people are going to remember all of the places where they've got their iTunes library spread out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think like, well, uh, I mean, I think most people probably don't have libraries that are big enough for it to be an issue. That's true. Okay. Yeah, uh, so I think like that. I mean, I would say that would rank, or like, yeah. I mean, I, I would say that's less of an issue than um, than just the. Well, I would say the main issue probably is keeping the library, it's keeping the contents of the library itself organized. Like, I feel like that's the place where it's going to break mm. down for most people. Yeah. Okay. Um, just because that's actually uh, like a rather difficult thing to do. I as you know, speaking as someone who like spent a decent amount of time over the holidays of taking a library that I thought was reasonably well-organized 
sure. which you know which I've kept I had kept intact on my um you know on, on my uh like old power uh, uh MacBook Pro um taking that library and and porting it to iTunes on my PC and trying to organize it like yeah, I'd done an okay job, but there were still like a bunch of just straggler tracks that had incomplete metadata and all sorts of stuff like that, which was totally non-ideal, right? Yep. So I can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, so yeah, uh, so that's let's see. Um, uh, I did okay, and then I want oh I want to talk briefly about Amazon Auto Rip. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so AutoRip is this thing where Amazon, if you buy a physical copy of a thing on Amazon, they will give you uh, the MP3s essentially automatically, um, uh, you know, available for download, which is kind of crazy because t- in a lot of cases, you can actually buy a, a physical disc for less money yes. than you would buy the MP3s from Amazon, of and course. they will give you the MP3s for free. <laughs> yep. So it's kind of insane. <laughs> It's a little nutty. Yeah, it's and it seems suboptimal. Yeah, it it seems like there's some very weird, like you know, perverse incentive on the part of uh, like the music industry that is causing Amazon to to do this. But um, but whatever, it's it it works out, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I've never understood like the entire model because like I. <laughs> I don't know how record labels view CD sales these days versus digital. I do, I know that um, there's kind of a perception difference in that um, it's almost you're almost always from a consumer standpoint, it is always advantageous to own the CD. Right. Yeah. Because that is that a license right of first sale. You've got like yes. Yeah. The yeah. the the digital music market is not in your favor ever. I, I, I mean, like, when is it ever like a good thing to do that? Like, well, they, no, look mean, what happens. Like, if you buy, if you uh, bought everything on the iTunes store and you died. Well, but I mean, there is a there is a variant of the digital music market that results in you having a, a straight up like unprotected copy of the MP3s, which it's pretty hard to. I mean, that is that you are in possession yeah. of that music at that point. Yes, but. I don't know that that's a legit sale. <laughs> like here, here's where here's where I'm I'm having a hard time with this is that I don't know that Amazon is going to be able to continue doing that. Like I don't know how they pass scrutiny with it because I don't know if they are actually lice if they've made an if they've made an arrangement or made a, a an agreement with um, record labels or copyright holders and said, tell you what, we're we're going to buy both and then train. Like I don't, how are how are they making a yeah, sale of something and then letting you download a copy of it. That's what I don't get. <clears throat> right. Yeah. It's really weird and like somewhat, uh, you know, again, yeah, it doesn't like this doesn't feel like a sustainable model by in any by any means. Right. Yeah, it can't be like I, I don't understand. I mean, someone's getting boned. And like with the iTunes match thing, I mean, there are people that had like a, a library of music that they acquired through illegitimate means that were able to like scrub it and essentially legitimize it with iTunes match. Right. Right. And then so those people um, in that particular circumstance, like what I think is actually happening is I think Apple is just taking 25 bucks from people for the service. And then when you get a copy of something that's in your library, I think they're still paying some. I, I think someone's getting paid. Yeah, that's, that's I, probably, I think that iTunes match is probably yeah. costing Apple money. Uh, it's possible. Not, not, yeah, I mean, it's no it's, way they're, they're making money. Right. Yeah. No one's it, it doesn't cost a whole lot. So. 
No, yeah. it's like 25 bucks a year, yeah. and there's no way that it makes yeah. them money because there's no way that the copyright holders and publishers are treating a $25 subscription as a license to their library. Right, right, yeah. So Apple, Apple is paying them money. Yeah. It's just they've, I think they've just happened to negotiate a price that's, that's reasonable. reasonable for them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, and that's, well, part of, and that's part of their value proposition for that for that ecosystem. You know, like that's why people with an iOS device would use the service. Sure, yeah. like and and I think that's a it's a value add thing for them. And that's like you, like you were saying earlier, like maybe there isn't a lot of people that are like watching the store and like making sure that anything other than the lights are on. You know, and yeah. maybe that's okay because they don't have to. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, well, uh, we we spent a lot of time on music. Yeah. Um, we got about uh, ten minutes. Yes, we should. We should probably. We should probably move on. We we we've got more to. We could talk all day about music, but um, yeah, I think next we should do like a movie or TV or something. I don't know. Yes, yeah. We so we'll we'll. I don't know if we'll do this one show after another. We might you know not. Uh, we might split it, it out. Yeah. yeah. Um. But uh, then we gotta do photos and home videos. That's that is those are. <laughs> I'm, we could probably spend whole shows on all of these. Yes. Yeah. So. Um. All right. So moving on. Uh. Emery. Yes. You. How have you been doing? <laughs> I'm feeling better. Yeah. Uh, I think it was like a mo- uh, more or less a month ago. There was like a series of really unsettling <laughs> things back to back that kind of like shook me out of my cage. So uh, it was remarkably unpleasant and uncomfortable. But at the same time, uh, I feel like I'm really dug in and starting to to finally walk off whatever this was. Um, so I've spent like pretty much a year kind of treading water and just kind of hanging out and waiting for something. I don't even know what. Um, but uh, I think I had it like in the notes, but I deleted it. I had like a really apt way of putting it where it was like sinking my teeth into the meaty part of the thigh of my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> where it's I, like, like that, that's the, I, I feel like I could make a I, I feel like that's that's prime for a literary reference, but I don't have it on me. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think you know like there's <laughs> as I'm as I'm doing this and like kind of uh, starting to wake up a little bit, and uh, I was like really frantic because like once I started like really thinking about things and had like a different perspective on on things that have been like on my mind lately, um, it was really hard to like turn it off. So I was kind of like on overdrive. And recording every thought that came into my head for like 72 hours and just trying to like organize everything that I was feeling and thinking about. And then handed, I walked into like my therapist appointment that week and I said, first of all, where's your box of tissues? And secondly, I have 24 (laughs) items on my list that I want to talk about. (laughs) And I got through 22 of them, which was pretty good. Uh Um, and it was basically just to like basically dump all this and be like, here's everything that's happened to me recently. And I don't know necessarily what's the most important and what isn't, but I would, you know, here's all I got Yeah, and, and threw it all out there. And I still have things that I haven't even looked at, but, um, I'm feeling better. And then, um, one of the things that was like really driving me nuts is that like, uh, and because it all kind of like kicked off like last winter, I was like, Oh, it's going to happen. This is, I'm just going to get worse, you know? And, uh, Someone had had mentioned to me before, like light therapy for oh. like people people with seasonal affective disorder do yeah. this, where it's supposed to be really helpful. And there were a couple of times where like I went to like a tanning place for like ten minutes just to like get some UV during the winter um, because it's gray for several months and I don't see the sun. Sure. And then uh, and that seems to to like you know lift me up a little bit. But um, I got something called a Philips Go Light, 
and I don't have a diagnosis of seasonal affective disorder, but what I do have is a case of the sleepies where like every day around <laughs> three o'clock, I start feeling like I need to go to bed. Yeah. And then that lasts until about 10 p.m. where I can stay up until four. Wow. And when I had a sleep study done, they said that, um, did I talk about, I did talk about. Yeah, you talk about Bruthie, yeah. Yep. Yeah, so one of the things that they figured out during my sleep study was that, um, and it's common for people with some sort of like uh, uh, depression uh, spectrum illness to have like their, their internal clocks get all whacked around. Hmm. So like um, that, that summer where I was like encoding CDs, um, I was also like unemployed for two months and I was also kind of like flipped my entire clock over. So like when I would be up playing Civ 3 and like uh, doing my CDs, um, I would go to bed after Howard Stern came on. So I was basically, <laughs> I was up until 7 a.m. And then I would go to bed and then I'd wake up in the middle of the afternoon and then start my day again. Usually in a, in a rope. <laughs> That's... <laughs> It was really weird and sad, but like I was super happy with, with it. Like sure, it, felt, yeah. it felt really natural to me, and that's part of the reason that my, my clocks are all screwed up. Yeah. But they also figured out that like I, I don't usually get like three sleep phases. So like you're supposed to get like these three dips of, of uh, REM sleep. I, there are many nights where it looks like I only get two or I get one. And so the sleep that I get is not necessarily the right kind of sleep, and I'm not getting enough of it. But then I also have this other thing where, like, my internal wiring wants me to be up all night all the time. So part of resetting that is using this light therapy gizmo. And what it does is it's not, it's not ultraviolet light. It's like a spectrum of blue light that, um, like, promotes alertness and a bunch of other stuff. But what, what people do with them is uh, they, they run it in the morning, and you basically just have it in your field of vision. Like I think it, I think like the manual says, like have it at a thirty degree angle and bathing your face. But um, <laughs> you basically want the light in your field of vision hitting your face so that your eyes know that 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 light is there. Yeah, um, and that's made a huge difference. Wow. And they, they said it takes like a couple of weeks to like really get you kind of on the right track. But yeah. um, within three days, um, my afternoon wall of tired uh, was significantly better. That's pretty amazing. It's really nice. And um, from, from something that like did not require a prescription. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. And, um, and I would recommend it to anybody that feels like, especially over the winter, like even if they don't have like a medical diagnosis of seasonal affective disorder or something, like if you know that like you feel really run down and, and miserable through the winter, um, there are several varieties of these out there. And there's also like a lot of mm, similar devices that I can't vouch for. Um, the Philips line, I will say is very well made um and they're they're good yeah um that, that's all i can really say they're expensive um i stuck to the previous generation they have a newer version of the one that i bought that was uh close to 200 bucks and then the one that i bought was like the previous generation and it was like 140 or something and it was i got you know while i'm not uh pleading poverty here like that's not exactly a frivolous purchase in my household so i was a little wary of it to not because you know what i mean like yeah it's uh, my, my therapist's office, they would have them occasionally to loan out to people and they had a habit of not coming back because they're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and people lose them, I guess, right? And then, um, so I was very skeptical, but um, I'm really happy with it. And uh, I would, this particular, I mean, it's, it's built like an appliance. It's a little light and has like a little kickstand and everything. And the newer version of it, the main difference, um, it has a rechargeable battery, which is nice. And I like that a lot because I take it with me when I go to the office um, without having to run a cord. Um, and the newer one, I guess, is like a more even distribution of light. Like they use a different panel, but um, I really have no complaints about this one. Yeah. So um, cool. That's I like that's it. Awesome. It's, that's it's working really well for cool. Me. 
Yeah. And then we had tons and tons and tons of holiday travel and Ooh. my birthday and my wife's birthday and my kid loves Hanukkah like to the point that she was so mad after the eighth <laughs> night. Like she was like candles presents and we're like, oh, no, I'm sorry, honey. Like, Hanukkah's over. And she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, we did uh, Christmas at my mother's and Christmas at my father's and we saw like my grandparents. And uh, for New Year's, my friend Gretchen uh, moved back into the area. And then uh, over like Thanksgiving, I was in Philly for a while with my BFF and, uh, and his lady. And uh, that was great. It was exactly what I needed. Um, and it was part of my perfect storm. <laughs> and, uh, and then I took a train. Um, from Philly up to Connecticut to meet up with uh, with my wife and kid at her, at her parents' house, and then we went to uh, Mystic Aquarium in Mystic, Connecticut. What's it was that? amazing. It's it, basically like a, it's like going to an aquarium. Like um, oh, okay, but they have whales. They have like the beluga whales. She was way into that. She loved the sea lions. We saw a sea lion show. We saw penguins. Like she, I have some great pictures from that trip. Like the sheer look of amazement and wonder that my daughter can give. <laughs> uh, really restores magic into my life like <laughs> it's it's really something else because everything's brand new to her you know like she has never before seen a whale and that was like the greatest thing in the world and so um that kind of thing is uh, pretty great and i have some great pictures of her where she is like literally like just freaking the f out beside herself like there is a sea lion right in front of me <laughs> It's that kind of thing. That's the sort of transformative experiences that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, well, yeah. Yeah, and you get to ride shotgun on all of it. So it's, <laughs> it's, and, um, and she likes to explain things to you. She's like, you know, uh, kids playing. She's like, Daddy, that's a, that's a beluga whale. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, the whale's in the water. And I'm like, I know, I can see it. And she's like, the whale is going to swim. <laughs> and, uh, she's way into it. Um, and I got my, I got a new bag. My wife got me a great birthday present. Yeah. Great birthday presents. I was very generous. Um, and then I got like uh, playing some new games. I got the XCOM going on the iOS. That's a lot of fun. Um, the Hack Your Life TV sh- series. Have you heard anything about this? No. So yeah, you, you were you were hyping this before the show. What? what I was really it? hyping it. It's, it's overproduced, but uh-huh. it's, it's a good idea. It's uh-huh. not a great show, but they're they're on the right track. But it's on know, it, it's on True TV. Yeah, that's terrible. That's that it can't be. That's not a good sign. Nope. And that's pretty much uh, whatever expectations you have about True TV, they probably apply to this show. <laughs> yeah. It's very overdone. Yeah. Um, it could be a lot more low-key than what it is. And some of the stuff that they talk about is really dumb. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, my quick update, I guess. I'm that's feeling good. better. Wow. I'm not going to say, you know, I'm cured, obviously. But um, I'm feeling much better and making good progress. I've got the go light. I've had a lot of travel. And I survived all of it. Um, and I have a really sweet new bag. So that's cool. pretty much it. And, uh, and you're playing two games here? Yeah, the uh, transistor's great. You were right. Um, yep. I'm really bummed out that uh, I can't play it on iOS, though, because I I don't like having to sit at a computer to play a game. But um, uh, It'll probably make it to iOS eventually, right? I guess. I mean, Bastion did. Bastion yeah. was great. I finally yeah, played. I finally finished playing that. Nice. Um, but Transistor, I haven't had time to, to really log with it lately. But XCOM on iOS is great. And I even bought the uh, the new version for um, um, OS X also. Cool. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I should I should probably pick that up for I mean you were saying it it plays pretty well on the on the iPhone 6. It does. It really really does. And then um yeah, it's great. I have no and, and if you play on both cuz I I've had it installed on the iPad and iOS, you can you can do your game save to iCloud. Oh, wow. So you can play the same saved game. Wow, that's awesome. That's really handy. Does it sync um, pretty quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean the saved game files are tiny. Yeah. But yeah. the uh uh the one thing I didn't like though is that uh, I have a lot of books and stuff on my on my iPad and a lot of I do all my photo stuff on my iP- on my iPad, um, not all my photo stuff, but I have like my current stack, if you will, for like things that I'm uh, 
working with in, in Lightroom. So uh, those are usually pretty big files. I, I was out of, basically out of room on my on my iPad. So I, I got rid of that game and a couple of other big things so I could have more room for things like my books and photos and stuff. Yeah, yeah, cool. I think next time around I'll probably buy a bigger iPad, but... Yeah, you might. Uh, that's that's where yeah, I, I have went, a big with, iPhone now, and I love it. Yeah, the one twenty gig iPhone. It's like you will never run out of space I don't, I don't, ever. You know, I have a trampoline room. I'm just a, <laughs> I'm just a simple guy. But okay. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, speaking of of simple. Yeah, yeah. iPod Classic. I did. Yeah. So I, I alluded this earlier, but um, yeah, I picked up an iPod Classic because uh, that was that's where this all naturally ended. It went from yeah. Where did, so they they stopped making them. Where did you get yours? Did you just buy it on Amazon? Uh, eBay. Yeah. It, it actually from Canada. Um, via Real. via eBay from Canada. Yes, a, a seller in Canada was selling a. The iPod is brand new in Canada. Apparently, yeah. I don't know. It was it. So there's a bunch of people selling new. Uh, you know, inbox uh, still you know manufacturer sealed uh, iPod Classics. Used video game stores in my area always have iPod Classics. That's where I got mine. Yeah, but but good ones or yeah, yeah. nice quality ones or sure. I mean, yeah. some of them are look like crap that got yeah. you know run over by a car. But there's yeah. there's also huh. several. I mean, the one that I the one that I got, I paid like hardly anything for, and it's fantastic. All right, all right. Um, yeah. So, but I, what I found was actually from from this guy in Canada um, who had. As I noticed, partway through the transaction, had uh, an eBay history of four uh, pieces of feedback, all of which were for buying things. Okay, um, uh, so that made me a little nervous. But he he's been a he was an eBay member since two thousand seven, and it wasn't an issue. The thing was perfect. It showed up. It was it was beautiful. It was new in box. eBay will take fantastic. care of yeah. They screw sellers all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, and also it was coming from Canada, which is a little bit iffy, but um, it was oh, yeah. not. It's not that big of a deal. So. So yeah, so I so I got that. That's again the natural endpoint of all this. I'm going to take my music offline stuff, and now I've got my music offline and on a dedicated device, which is something I haven't done in uh, almost ten years. So good for you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, and then uh, I've been playing a few games as well. Yeah, what do you got? Elite Dangerous. What is it? Elite Dangerous is a is probably the closest you can possibly come right now to being in space. What? <laughs> uh, so Elite Dangerous is is this uh, is sort of a space exploration, combat, and trading game, and okay. and it takes it, it's it's uh, all your first person in a ship. You're looking around a cockpit. In an ideal case, you are wearing uh, an Oculus Rift for a, a VR headset. And you are controlling it with a mechanical throttle and stick that your hands are. are yeah, on. you are. Yes, you are. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, so, yeah. So I, I, I did that. <laughs> sure. Uh, I acquired a, a throttle and stick. Um, why not? Because why not? And um, Microsoft Flight Simulator is only a purchase away. Yeah, that's. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I already own Microsoft Flight Simulator and I've oh, put a decent amount of time into it. Um, Good for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and Elite Dangerous is absolutely fantastic. It made my, my top 10 games of the year list. Uh, it's, really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, right. it's, they, they do, they do most things about being in space pretty dead on. So, um, so that well, was when fun. was the last time you were in space? That's true. I don't. You're right. I don't have any personal experience to. I mean, your summer home, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just last year on the moon. Yeah. Um, and then uh, let's see another another big thing that I enjoyed quite a bit over the holidays is the golf club. 
What's that? Uh, the golf club is the closest thing you can get to golf. <laughs> um, okay. Besides actually So golfing. it sounds exciting already. So no, that's the point. It's actually so compared so you know how normally in a in is a it golf like goat video simulator? Game, uh no, it's not like goat simulator. So, you know, normally in a golf video game, they're going to dress it up with like character progression and power ups and equipment and, oh, no. you know, power shots and all that stuff. This one, you just hit the ball. All right. Yeah. You just hit the ball and you get it's 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 wonderful. It's it's as boring as real golf is, which is exactly what someone who likes real golf wants in a golf video game. Did I ever tell you my, my BFF used to play street golf? No. <laughs> Yeah, and it's exactly what it sounds like. I'll talk about it another time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, t- two, two other big shout-outs here, uh, just because they were a whole lot of fun with some friends over over the holidays. Jackbox Party Pack is from the makers of You Don't Know Jack. Ooh, I love that game. Yeah. so That's you- great on the iPad, by the way. Yeah, I bet it is. Um, so uh, they made a collection of party games. Two of which are absolutely genius. Uh, they're Drawful and Fibbage. Uh, and the premise, the general premise for both of them is actually everyone takes out their, their phones or tablets and types in a web address. And then they actually, their controller becomes their phone or tablet. And they're entering answers and drawing pictures and doing sorts of, all sorts of stuff on their phone or tablet. But then some, one person is running it centrally on a, on a PC or game console. And Love and it. and everyone's answers are showing up there. It's really good, and they have this premise around people are coming up with the wrong answers. So people actually, everyone who's playing uh-huh. generates wrong answers, and then people have to guess between the wrong answers and the real one. It's it's a Love it. Yeah, it's a very very well done, clever, super uh, fun to play thing. So yeah. I want to talk about that some more. Yeah, well, we, we, you should you should just buy it. It's it's like fifteen bucks on Steam. So. Okay. Yeah, I'll take a look. Yeah, might also be on the PS3. I'm not sure. It's it's uh, I don't know. It's definitely on the on the Xbox. I think. But uh, and then uh, finally, just shout out to Samurai Gun, which was super super fun over the holidays. I get. I thought I saw you on was that a Steam purchase. Yes. Yeah. Like, I saw you, I saw you were logging some time with that, and I had no idea what it was. Yeah. So it is a uh a four player max uh, local competitive game, and it just plays super fast. It's super fast, super fun. Once you've played enough of it, you you just develop this sort of very uh, sort of innate sense for uh, how a game is going to go, and like you can you can really track the action well, and and there's a lot of um, uh, and again everything just moves so so fast that it's uh, it, it it is really really fun to play with a bunch of people uh, who are also very into it uh, on a couch. So, hmm. uh, so yeah, so that was Samurai Gun. Was uh, it actually that came out um, year before last, but um, had not played it until until recently. So anyway, so yeah, so that's that's my lineup of uh, of stuff. So I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. that game sounds good. The Jackbox. Though. You should, I like the, I you like the pick, Yeah, you should pick up the Jackbox for sure. All right, well, very good. That will do it for uh, this episode of the Hell Yeah Show. Look at us uh, ending despite our uh, despite being. You know, somewhat out of practice and coming back to us after a while. Look yeah. at us ending pretty much on time. Yeah, uh, I like it. I like it too. All right. Well, uh, yeah. That will, as I said, that'll do it for this episode of the Hell Yeah Show. If you want to contact us, you can email us at show at hellyeah dot com, uh, or you can visit us uh, on the web at show dot wait what show at <laughs> show dot hell yeah dot com or on the twitter machine <laughs> twitter dot com slash hell yeah shows and it's a tweet at hell yeah show. Thank and you. on Google Plus. <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah, you can tell we're we're a bit. I'm I am personally a bit out of practice. I think Ember's we're going to get back into. Yes. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. As I said, that will do it. Uh, we will see you again in some amount of time. <laughs>